This episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is the fastest, the easiest, the most professional, user-friendly, intuitive, and responsive way to make your very own website, portfolio, blog, or online store. If you go to squarespace.com and use the offer code THUMBS at checkout, you will get 10% off your first order, and if you sign up for a year, you will get a free domain name. That is squarespace.com with the offer code THUMBS. And now... The bag blast. The bag blast. What is the bag blast? (laughs) (laughs) You're about to find out. (laughs) Strap in, buckle in. Put your bag on. It's time for the bag blast. Jump on your horse bag. (laughs) I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Too late. I got you in the bag. No. Bag blast. Let me out of the bag. bag. I don't want to be in this bag. (laughs) Nick Brecken is in the bag. No, I'm not. I hate it. In the bag this week. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to reach deep into the bag. (laughs) It is February 2nd, 2017. This is the Idle Thumbs Reader Mail Bag Blast. I'm Chris Remo. <laughs> I'm Nick Brecken. I'm Jake Rodkin. Hey, folks. Hey. Hi. Hey, guys. <laughs> we are, uh, for reasons we will explain momentarily, we are postponing Idle Thumbs 300. And, uh, <laughs> just to make things really... Just to be If confusing. things weren't confusing enough around here, <laughs> we're just yeah. going to keep fucking it up. And uh, in, its, in its stead, we are recording... A, uh, a fun reader mail filled episode. We have just a bunch of reader mail ready to go, and we will read it and hopefully say things about it. And the reason that we are postponing episode three hundred is because, at least for the near term future, uh, episode three hundred will be the last episode of the Idle Thumbs podcast. Boo, fuck Chris. Yeah, I, fuck Chris. <laughs> fuck Chris. Oh, man, Nick's been waiting for years fuck Chris. to do this. Con- what if it was congrats fuck Chris and Nick. not fuck Nick? Congrats, what if it was Chris? fuck Chris? I mean, Nick. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What if What if I was congratulated and Chris was fucked? <laughs> you, know, you know what, Nick? Congrats, Nick. Thank you. Yeah, congrats, Thank you. Nick. Yeah, congratulations, Finally. Nick. <laughs> God, you look so happy just now. <laughs> it's been a long time coming, Chris. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's because Chris has taken a job at Bethesda Game Studios. <laughs> oh, God. oh God, no, no. Here's the here's the the other thing. We're not actually going anywhere. Uh, we are going to be launching a new podcast um, with the same three of us, and we. So we've been talking a lot over the last few weeks about our desire to expand the scope of this podcast to. Um, uh, to sort of figure out what it is about the podcast that we really want to um, hone in on, I guess. And we've gotten a lot of uh, reader mail about it to questions at idlethumbs.net. We've gotten a lot of tweets. There have been a lot of forum posts on our own forums and on other forums uh, that discuss our podcast. And I have read, I'm pretty sure, all of that stuff that I can find. I tried to respond to pretty much every email we were sent in which people had concerns and were not just being buttholes uh, <laughs> so I tried I tried to respond to people civilly if I didn't get to you I'm sorry it's because there was a lot of email and one of the things I think we realized as we were reading all that stuff uh, and thinking about it just talking about it amongst ourselves is that it probably doesn't make sense to just 
say, oh, let's just do idle thumbs, but remove the central topic of idle thumbs and then not change anything else. That seems like definitely a lesser version of what we could be doing if we actually tried or thought about it. <laughs> um, and so we thought what might make more sense would be to sort of start with uh, a, a kind of baseline of the stuff we already kind of do on Idle Thumbs, which is the unstructured conversation and sort of indulgence into um, spinning out uh, weird flights of fancy and all that stuff. And obviously reader mail, things that are that have been part of the show for a long time. Uh, but think, okay, what is an actual specific context we could put that stuff in that isn't just a video game show, but not only about video games, which is not really a concept. It's sort of an absence of a concept. And so we thought it would make more sense to, to actually just launch a new show, declare what it is, try to figure out the format without needing necessarily to um, adhere to any, uh, like, I guess, sort of... Um, just leftover kind of yeah. remnants. It, yeah. it also means that we don't have to destroy idle thumbs in exactly. the process. We yes, can, yes. like, as longtime listeners know, this podcast has, like, fallen asleep and woken up many times. And some, yep. so. At least twice. At least twice. Uh, some would argue it went into high, <laughs> sort of a, like, waking hibernation for about a year. Yeah. <laughs> but, but whatever. So uh, we sort of thought, okay, if we do this as a clean break, we can put Idle Thumbs to sleep. If you still want to subscribe to Idle Thumbs during that time, I recommend that you do because it, that way, if we end up doing incidental pod blasts or it comes back in some other form, you'll be ready and the feed will be ready for that to exist as like our place for game content should we want to do it in the future. But then meanwhile... We also, when we announced the new show, we encourage you to subscribe to that as well. So it seemed like just a clean break was the best way going forward for yes. all people. Um, and to that point, while we're getting the new show ready, we're going to do a series of more sort of focused, small, idle news pod blasts leading up to what we hope is a sweet episode 300 to say goodbye to this show in its current form. Yeah. So... Um, that's, so, that's that, I guess. Yeah. We don't know what the timeline on that is. I mean, not, hopefully not a long next time, few weeks. but yeah, next few weeks. I mean, it just, like, we're just gonna have to, we're going to start recording test episodes that we don't, um, make right. you listen to and then, uh, launch a new one of those yeah. soon. So, so stay subscribed to this feed. I mean, hopefully forever, um, <laughs> ideally, but, uh, we will, at, uh, when we're ready for the new show to launch, it'll, we will, um, probably like just put the first episode on this feed, but have the other feed already up and ready to go yep. for you to subscribe to. I mean, one thing I will, I just want to say to a lot of people who wrote in, obviously not everyone felt this way, but I would say the ma vast majority of people who wrote in um, said, and I, this really meant a lot to me, which is why I tried to go out of my way to respond to so many people. Fuck me. Uh, um, yes. <laughs> and I said, that's a really, that's a statement for the ages and it should always remain true. No, no, no. <laughs> I, I think what you, what you told them is like, wait, <laughs> <laughs> an announcement coming yeah, on the bag blast. Yeah, don't worry about what that is. Um, <laughs> no, um, hold your fucks. <laughs> a lot of people wrote in to say that you know they've been listening. To, I mean, some people have not been listening to us for that long, but some people wrote in to say they have been listening to us for many years at this point, and and would give us a shot with anything we we try and do. And obviously, we can't guarantee it'll work, but um, it really meant a lot for me to see. A lot of people went into really specific detail about what the shows meant for them, and 
And um, it was really a lot of just really touching emails are very gratifying to see. And I really hope I really hope that that those of you who have any inclination to give us a chance with the new thing, which we're obviously going to have to sort of figure out a little bit. Um, I'm hoping you will stick around, help us spread the word about the thing, because we're going to be starting from basically nothing, which we haven't done since 2008, which is really, really, really scary. Um, But the last time we asked people to come rally around us and help us out was when we did the Kickstarter. And this time we're not asking for money. So uh, we don't think so. (laughs) It should be even easier. Also, this is a goofy thing to say, which uh, I was I now that I'm about to say it, I realized I was thinking about maybe waiting till 300 to talk about it. But very briefly, I think it's really cool that we like more, maybe more than quadrupled the number of podcasts that that Idle Thumbs had produced uh, before the Kickstarter and after. We the first post Kickstarter episode was episode 65 and counting all of the pod blasts and stuff, I think we have like 325 things on the feed now, mm-hmm. which is wild. Yep. Anyway. So, yeah. So even though I still think of post-Kickstarter as like new Idle Thumbs, I still think of it as like original Idle Thumbs and new Idle Thumbs. Really, we've actually been doing this way longer post-Kickstarter than we did pre-Kickstarter. And so I We're think- actually on year five post-Kickstarter in 2017, yeah, which that's, is crazy. That's bizarre. And Jeez. so it, it kind of feels like it's time for us to try something new. Yep. Um, you know, so we're going to do that and see if it works and yep. maybe it won't, but hopefully it will. And maybe you could help us make it work and that would be great. And we love you. Congrats, Nick Brecken. Thank you. <laughs> All right. You guys want to. I'll cancel <clears throat> the new show. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. We'll all take turns. Um, so do you. Oh, 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 man. I forgot. Oh, also, it's also <laughs> worth saying the. Like, oh, I remember what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, go for it. In regards to we're putting up out a bunch of blasts to nebulously and anxiety-inducingly count down to episode 300, <laughs> right. I think that this is finally actually the long-promised Idle Thumbs Countdown to Tears. Like, for oh, real. Oh, you're totally uh, right. This is, yeah. it. this is it. The, the Countdown, countdown to, to tears, tears begins now, yes. but hopefully they are tears of joy when you like our new show. Yes. Um, It'll go either way. Also, in episode 300, a video game will make you cry if we play our cards right. Oh, yeah, that's true. Hopefully mm. that works out. Fingers crossed. Um, it's also worth mentioning that the name, like the sort of company and brand Idle Thumbs is not going anywhere. Our our site is still idlethumbs.net. I mean, we'll probably have a specific URL for the new show, just like we do for all of our, all the shows on the network. But idlethumbs.net is not going anywhere. We are, if anything, hoping to make it better. Um, the Idle Thumbs store and Idle Thumbs branded stuff will still exist. Um, still home of Three Moves Ahead and Designer Notes and all that other yeah, stuff. Yeah, Idle Weekend. yeah. Um, so, I mean, we still identify, I think, very strongly with Idle Thumbs as, like, I, whatever weird concept and, like, organization it the is. The brand. The brand affinity is strong. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, but this will just be a new show on the Idle Thumbs network that we are going to It'll be. just be a new contributor to the Idle Thumbs cinematic universe. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. The ITCU. <laughs> ITCU, too. <laughs> ITCUP. <laughs> yes, that's the Idle Thumbs Cinematic Universe of Podcasts, if you will. <laughs> yes. Um, all right. I too, CUP. <laughs> well, <laughs> on that note, if you uh, have questions for us, please write in at questions at idlethumbs.net. You yep. too could end up in a bag blast. <laughs> the ITCUP, no, IT, yes, bag blast. <laughs> it took me a minute to realize if I was saying something good or bad or what. Anyway. Oh, it was bad. It's always don't worry about it. Yeah. You don't have to question. Yeah. 
Um, reader mail. It's reader mail. Classic uh, theme <laughs> no, song. Classic thing. Um, all right. Well, uh, just let's get on with it with the mm. mail, the, ba- the bag, with the blast. Video game content. Mm. Hey, Thumbs. A recent discussion of misunderstanding game mechanics reminded me of, my one, of one of my own earliest gaming experiences. When I was very young, our family didn't own a game console, but on special occasions, my parents would go to Blockbuster and rent a PlayStation or a Sega Genesis for a weekend. My siblings and I would have whirlwind experiences trying to familiarize ourselves with the consoles and games before the rental period expired. Many of these games required peripherals like save cartridges that weren't included, so we had to find workarounds like leaving the console running overnight to keep our progress. Our most bizarre experience was with Spyro the Dragon on the PlayStation. As we explored the first world, we were surprised by how punishing the traversal was. The levels were full of incredibly difficult jumping and gliding puzzles, which seldom left any room for error whatsoever. In some levels, we saw what clearly looked like jumping puzzles with collectibles and enemies visible on raised platforms, but Spyro was unable to jump high enough or far enough to reach them. It seemed like a very strange design choice. Much later in life, I would learn that the controller that had come with our rented PlayStation was defective. Pressing jump one time caused Spyro to jump, and pressing it again would cause him to glide. But our controller registered a second button press the instant Spyro left the ground, causing him to immediately glide back down again. The game world had been designed for a Spyro who could jump five or six feet in the air, but our Spyro could jump about six inches. Regardless, by persevering and ignoring the inaccessible areas, we managed to proceed through the game and and complete the first world. We moved on Jesus. to the second world, which began on a short pier, leading into the mouth of a cave in a sheer cliff face. There was a single raised step leading off the pier and into the cave. In every other direction was an endless ocean. If Spyro touched the water, he would instantly drown. The step was about a foot tall. We spent hours <laughs> flapping helplessly against that tiny step. We jumped and drowned and bashed ourselves against the cliff in every possible configuration. We even bought a strategy guide for the game to see if there was something we were missing. God, over a weekend. I love that. But the guide made no reference whatsoever to our current predicament, simply instructing us to proceed forward. (laughs) (laughs) I'm an extreme noob. (laughs) Eventually, we figured out that one of the posts along the side of the pier was slightly taller than the pier itself. It was a polygon only an inch or two wide, but if we executed a perfect jump, Spyro could perch on that little plank and jump from there over the step. I have never felt more liberated than when Spyro entered that cave. Or more crushed than when the game crashed 10 minutes later due to a scratch on the disc wiping all our progress. <laughs> Keep up the stuff. Miles Worth, Vancouver, British Columbia. God, that uh, is brutal. Yeah. That is, it's, yeah. I feel like I can totally put myself in that zone. Yeah, here. no, that's that's mm-hmm. the ultimate version of the thing that we've talked about a lot of times about you as a kid who doesn't know what a game is supposed to be, but you have infinite time to destroy yourself against right, it. Yeah. Of just right, like, yeah. the <clears> most, <throat> the like, the like... I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a Steven Sausage Roll version of a platformer where it's just like, (laughs) fuck you. You will be the most precise, thoughtful person when accomplishing this. But it's actually like a PlayStation, like goofy jumping game meant that an eight-year-old should be able to to destroy it. Yeah, I I like that a lot. Man, mascots. Remember when every console needed a mascot? Oh yeah, and like PlayStation's was always kind of just like, like oh maybe it's, it's Crash like, Bandicoot. No, it's not Crash Bandicoot. Spyro, Spyro, Spyro. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a ba- it's a Bandicoot. <laughs> Hedgehogs are weird, right? Like people like weird animals. They've only heard of for the first time in their life from a video game. PlayStation just seemed so. What like if we it, find an even weirder PlayStation one? PlayStation was just where the mascots hang out. I feel like because it was like, oh, you know, <laughs> uh, Jack and Daxter are there, <laughs> oh, and Spyro true, the yeah. Dragons there, Crash yeah. Bandicoot's there. You yeah. know, yeah. Were Ratchet and Clank there as well? Did all those guys chill out on the PlayStation? I think Ratchet and Clank yeah. might have been PS2. Yeah, I don't remember. But oh I yeah, it was PS2. Yeah. It was PS2. Yeah. But I feel like yeah. all those guys just like. 
Sure, they're all like one third as cool as right. But in aggregate, like, it's like we're all the, like, like, oh, like this. A, like it's where those guys right. are. Yeah, it's where those platformers yeah. like are. Like a collective ersatz right. mascot. Yeah, it's like the sports team that's just got a bunch of sort of like average guys, <laughs> right? As opposed to like the team that's got like the superstar. But they're like, yeah, our fundamentals but, are strong. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah they well, share the they, ball. Well, then you know, they they, they, up... they move it around. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I feel like everyone still kind of has a mascot. But it's With like Master Chief. It's like Master Chief, Nathan Drake. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's so. true. Everyone's mascots now are just gritty fuckers. They're, just, <laughs> right, I guess Nathan true. Drake's. I no, guess yeah. Nathan, well, Nathan Drake is they like smile at you while he just murders eight. Have you guys seen the, the PlayStation background. ad that's running right now where it's just a grizzled sort of like British man with a beard and he's like, "No, what would you like to kill today?" And Jesus, that's and then, no. and then it's just like a two second. Like the whole commercial is just this guy walking around a room with like knives and guns and shit. It's just like it's everywhere. Is he like, like every time a grizzled, you watch a YouTube like, video, special ops guy. Or no, no, no. Like a he's wizard? just he's just no. He's like a, sort of a like Victor. Like he looks like somebody out of Dishonored or something. Oh, gross! Yeah, and he's like a steampunky kind, like vaguely steampunky guy. But then it just gets to the end of the thing, where he's just like walking around, like uh, you're gonna, you're gonna need a lot of your blah blah blah. And then he guns, then he, lots of guns. Yeah, yeah, basically. And then the, and the commercial is just like, what would you like to do? Kill or like, um, name? And then, yeah, like, and then the end. So, the commercial like just ends on a smash cut of like or every fucking play PlayStation the witness. PlayStation ads have always been <laughs> aggressive ass yeah. weird oh, shit. Oh yeah, though. yeah. It's always it's just true. like you're a ama- you're the lord. A woman yeah. with boobs on both sides of her body. PlayStation <laughs> Vita. Like that's just what it is. Like just yeah. no. It felt like a magazine ad come to life. Right. It was very striking. Yeah. Uh, too bad. Too bad. The the personal computer platform was never able to run TV ads. That's true. Because <laughs> that would in the nineties we w- that would have been a good. Yeah, I guess like it's, time. it's interesting to think about the fact that in the era when consoles mascots were Mario, Sonic the Hedgehog, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro the Dragon, uh, Ratchet and Clank, etc., the PC's mascot was a raw chuck steak or like a desk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a like desk jibs. covered in mud <laughs> with a poop smeared toilet. <laughs> 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 right, and a graphics card sitting in the corner, yeah, like, or like, innocently just like, or like, a, <laughs> I wonder like what a, happened here, like a spiky dominatrix. Yeah, oh yeah, like dun- sin. Um, oh yeah, there was sin, but there was yeah. also like, fuck, it was. But it was mostly just can't your putrid life, game. your <laughs> disgusting yeah. life. Yeah, because in yeah. the in the dominatrix thing, it was this game that was by <laughs> the guy who, uh, that guy was his Livingstone was that British. Guy, he's knighted now. And oh, he's who like, says like, what do you, who do you want to kill? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that classic knight. Yeah. And, but but the but the gamer, the right, the like ostensible gamer in the ad was the guy like groveling on the ground in this mm. like stone dungeon. It was always like in those PC ads. It was always like, you're a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> you're gar, you're trash by our, our game. You don't deserve it. But you're we'll trash, you. and the world thinks you're trash. But you know what's <laughs> inside. <laughs> you're right. You're trash. A G-force. <laughs> right? Yeah. And some sick a ass, some sick ass underlining. Oh, yeah, you're right. It would be a voodoo, not a G-force, your voodoo 2. Voodoo yeah. 2. Yeah. yeah. Voodoo Hercules. Banshee. Your voodoo Banshee. Your glide. Yeah. You, like your video card, are Hercules. <laughs> a Hercules? What, like a, an, an amber graphics? <laughs> was it? Didn't, didn't oh, no, there was a Hercules. They made consumer yeah, yeah, yeah. graphics cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I thought a Hercules was like... The graphics card for like your PTS or your PCST that would like let you have slightly faster amber or green monochrome. Hercules, oh, is it that old? Hercules graphics <laughs> is like old. Maybe they made no. New they stuff. made they made graphics cards okay. and then probably went out of business. Just the, or, yeah, or they acquired. existed as of the yeah. late nineties when people okay, yeah. were buying three D accelerators. Hercules was yeah. there were Hercules would accelerate Hercules. your third dimension definitely. I'm Hercules. <laughs> <laughs> you got it because you are it. Yeah. Congrats, Nick Brecken. Yeah. 
Congrats, Hercules. Thank you. That's your new Thanks. Thing. Thanks, Chris. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, Hercules. <laughs> um, in regard to this actual question, <laughs> uh, the, I, I definitely, I mean, I had sort of non, like, stuff that wasn't as impressive and epic as that, like, when, you know, yeah, the I, first console we ever had access to in my house was a PS1, and we didn't know anything about consoles. So it was just like, oh, everyone says, I see Final Fantasy VII like on the TV, so let's rent that. But we didn't, we also didn't, you know, we didn't have any of the stuff. We didn't have memory cards or anything. So that game was literally just running for a, like a full week. It was a, it was a disaster. I didn't realize how risky that was because I didn't know that game was going to be like eight million hours long. Um, but uh, we, my most extreme head against the wall moment, I'm sure I've mentioned this on the podcast, is when my, my buddy Kenny and I played, uh, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, and it had those like three concentric circle puzzle um, stone like rotating wheel discs. puzzles. Yeah. yeah, where it's like you have to line them up exactly. It's like right. a giant stone code wheel, basically. Yeah, and you have mm-hmm. to get that information from like other places. You know, there are puzzles where it's like, oh, in this book, I saw that the one of the rings is this, and then I like in a conversation they mentioned like, oh, the sun goes with the the moon, and it's like, oh, that means you line up the sun with the moon, um, and you figure it all out. And we got to the last one in the game, and we just could not figure it out anywhere, and we just spent like five hours just rotating every single yeah, you one, every it. single combination, <laughs> and then as we finally eventually got it. We were like walking off the screen to go to the next part, and we realized that in the background on the wall was like carved into the wall was the solution. <laughs> <laughs> like in the same room we were in, it was just like a gimme, I guess. Yep. Um, so, you know, congrats Pros. us. Yeah. 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 The first time I rented a Nintendo was to play Mega Man 1, and I definitely did not understand that it had a password screen and left it on for uh, an entire yeah, weekend, oh, yeah. and yeah. then it overheated and. I did not complete Mega Man One. Oh man, Oof. bummer! But that was a good. That was like a memorable, a memorable I never experience. Think of consoles like that as being able to overheat those old. Yeah. I don't know if it overheated know? or not. Or I mean, it just eventually we came back and the screen was white. So something happened. There, maybe there's a memory leak uh, or yeah. who who knows. But yeah, um, the classic Nintendo. Your screen is white now. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, let's see what else we have here. Hey, thumbs. Uh, it seems every time I check Idle Thumbs on Twitch or YouTube, there's something new, and I wanted to say thanks. The Idle Thumbs streams are responsible for one of my best experiences in a video game. In 2012, I'd heard of Minecraft, but couldn't play it on my Power Mac G5. Around then, Jake and Sean streamed the Idle Thumbs Minecraft server. It was super lively, and all the stuff people built was really neat. A few months later, I bought a new Mac, and I could finally play Minecraft. I went over to idlemc.com and saw that while it was on hiatus, they had posted the world from the stream. But when I opened it up, it was one of the eeriest experiences I've ever had. It felt like returning to an empty house. Everyone was gone. The discarded mine carts, broken down machines, and half-constructed buildings were the only sign people had ever been there. It felt like some great disaster had occurred and everyone just disappeared. I've only felt that kind of tension and uneasiness reading about the lost colony of Roanoke or watching videos about Pripyat. It was weird and cool, and I still wander through once a year or so just to recapture a little bit of the experience. If anyone remembers that stream, uh, I highly recommended, re- recommend downloading the 7th Epoch from idlemc.com and checking it out. Thanks all, John Colenda, Houston, Texas. What you played, John, is a walking simulator. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Storytelling abounds. That, like yeah. that, f- I like that. I like that reader mail, and I'm glad you picked it up because it reminds me of what was so like enthralling to me about Minecraft during the sort of early days of Minecraft, mm-hmm. where like you could end up on a server that was 
packed with people because, you know, just like the time zone of the inhabitants of that server would mean that there's just people ambling around and building stuff and like, you know, doing whatever you do in Minecraft. Does Minecraft have chat? I, I, yeah. It does. Uh-huh. Like just, I, I haven't played it in so long. I haven't played it. I'm sure. Yeah, 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 but just like, or going back in the middle of nowhere or even on an active server going so far away that like you've got, you're like, you find the abandoned town that everyone built and then got tired of or whatever. And mm-hmm. that, that feeling of like. I don't know. That game just felt very real uh, at that point when, mm-hmm. like, there were systems in it, but there wasn't really a purpose for it, any of it to exist other than for it just to be. I really, yeah. I really liked that. And that a lot feeling. of the systems were sort of augmented by people smashing systems together in unexpected ways to make sort of more impressive things. It was a crazy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure a lot of that stuff, a lot of that feeling, probably still is in Minecraft on the right servers. But it, f- I, the sense of. It feels like the sense of unknown, at least culturally, is not part of of the Minecraft like feeling anymore. Just, I mean, because Minecraft is a multi billion dollar yeah, franchise. Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's yeah. I remember um, my my experience with Minecraft was very similar to this reader's actually because I never really got into it as a builder, and so honestly, still to this day, I mean, it's been years since I loaded it up, but I mean, still most of the time, total minutes I've spent in Minecraft were when I would just go into an idle thumb server and sort of walk around and be like, holy just watch shit. watch the like, sunrise over some crazy yeah. weird cathedral and someone built. it was just built. sort of yeah. ma- majestic and overwhelming and, and huge and per- also very personal and like intimate at the same mm-hmm. time. Like, it, Which I think is what he's describing. You know, there's that, like, there's one thing to sort of be in like the Grand Canyon or something and it's like, wow, this is bigger than anything. Um, and then, you know, it's another thing to be in like someone's sort of bedroom when they're not there and it's very tiny and personal and whatever but then there's this weird like both at the same time of well this landscape is huge and looks you know to my eye goes on forever but also every single thing in it was just like built by someone else like me who just logged on to this server it's actually it's actually a feeling very similar to me of playing uh like a cyan game except that in Mm. this case you know that the like the stories of all these little weird ramshackle houses and grand pieces of architecture were, were actually just built by people sort of like uh, on a whim or sort of for their own amusement. Like, that's sort of the story of mist or uh, abduction or whatever. That, mm-hmm, like, that's true. People f- found themselves in a weird place then made a home for themselves, and you can feel the personality or the culture of whoever's there. But Minecraft is, like, actual versions of that. Um, but then also, you know, maybe there's a guy there who says something weird to you in chat. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, a- get actress. off my lawn. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean in Minecraft. Yeah. Sure. I know. Mm-hmm. Get out of my book. Yeah. He says. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually like Cyan tried to create that feeling with Mist Online where the whole premise of mm-hmm. it was there's people excavating a new world and we're all collectively, quote unquote, working to discover this space. It never felt like that because it was so artificial and weird and tried to exist and like a sort of wow cusping into MMO vocabulary like era. Mm. Really just Minecraft. Like, <laughs> yeah, I never played Mist Online. I didn't even really yeah. know what they were calling for. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Science should just dump all their money into a Minecraft clone now. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's the perfect time for it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Eh. They're doing okay, probably. I guess I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, they made that game. Uh, okay. Hey, thumbs. I'm curious how much AAA games should really cost. Allow me to explain. I, I walk into a game. I realized I forgot to start the timer. I know, so I, I noticed that know. too. But we, we're, uh, we're time limited we anyway, right so it doesn't really matter. We have to take a break at some point. 
Sure. Yeah. Probably like after this one, maybe. Sure. I mean, we're contractually obligated to. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I, I walk into a GameStop and I want to buy Mass Effect Andromeda. It's $60. Assuming GameStop is making money on every game sold, how much are they paying EA per unit and how much are they making in profit? I open up Origin on my PC and I want to buy Mass Effect Andromeda. It's $60. Why? If I'm buying right from the publisher, why am I paying the same amount I would pay to a middleman? I go to Amazon. I want to buy Ma- Mass Effect Andromeda. I have Amazon Prime. It's $48. Assuming Amazon still wants to make a profit on each unit, how much are they paying EA per unit and how much are they making? The scenario also applies to Best Buy, which is a similar discount thing. It seems to me that AAA games are $60 because they just are. There seems to be no rhyme or reason to it. Whether you're buying from a distributor or right from the publisher, it's the same price. It does not make sense to me. Joe W. Uh, I think the reason for that is frustrating, but basically... If the highest price point that makes money for everyone is the one at GameStop, where you have to pay for the retail, you have to pay for the GameStop employees, you have to pay for the shipping, mm-hmm. the manufacturing, uh, as well as the profit made to pay back the development of the game, that's the price point that it has to be everywhere else because GameStop would... Has leverage. GameStop, they have leverage. Well, yeah. it's, it's not only that GameStop has leverage. Well, yeah, they do. GameStop, if GameStop... Yeah, they have leverage. Exactly. That's the simplest yep. way of I putting mean, it. That is actually the reason because in, it, it, in, in industries in which retail stores are like – so you can often – like here living in San Francisco, for instance, often you will go to a um, – so like a mom and pop store just in town and you'll buy something that would actually be cheaper if you were buying it straight from the source – um, but you're buying it from the, you know, in some cases you decide to buy it from the mom and pop place to support local businesses or the local economy or just whatever, whatever, you know, or you don't. But like, but they don't have leverage. Right. So the distributor can sell it for whatever they want because yeah. they don't give a shit. Game, like, GameStop sells whereas GameStop in, does have yeah, leverage. Yeah, they sell enough copies of every video game that they say back to the publisher, when you sell this digitally, you have to sell it. At least it's non-sale price. It's like list price has to be the same as you buy it in GameStop because we refuse to be undercut by you. Right. Like, and then, in, and then when you get onto something like Amazon. So for what it's worth, I went after I saw this email. I went onto Amazon and searched for Mass Effect Andromeda, and it was still sixty dollars. So maybe that was this was a temporary sale. But if if it is possible during certain windows, um, during when the game is still considered a new full price game, if it is possible during certain windows to get the game for cheaper on Amazon. It's probably because Amazon has even more leverage than GameStop at this point. I would or guess. Amazon just mm. doesn't care. I mean, Amazon. Well, that's what I mean. But they can afford not to care. They're not going to get yes. cut off by the public. They're like, and, yeah. EA is not going to not. I mean, yeah. yeah. And, and probably unlike GameStop, Amazon's volume in general of the amount of merchandise they move through their warehouse is so high yes. that they can afford to shave their profit margin on a game down to a fraction of a percent. And, but and it's that's still true. like they're still making money off of it. That's well, that, like that's true of Amazon in general. Am- not just every with product games. Amazon, Amazon sells. Yeah, Amazon in some cases it actually does not even care about making a profit. Amazon t- traditionally has never been a very profitable company. They could be if they wanted to be, but they have traditionally prioritized loss leadership. And Imagine if Amazon just charged 30 cents for everything in their store, 30 cents more than they do right now. Right. Like, Jesus they, Christ, they that'd be so much money. They actually do that kind of thing. Amazon actually A-B tests pricing. Amazon, like if you buy something from Amazon, it's totally possible. I mean, this isn't true of all products all the time, but they frequently will just try different prices on different people at different times for the same exact product without messaging that at all. Like it's yeah. totally possible that going to Amazon on a different day and buying the same thing, you will pay a slightly different price because they're they have this massive audience that they can use to tweak all that stuff and figure out. Yep. You know. But yeah, the, the the short answer for why it doesn't make sense is because these pricing schemes don't have the consumer uh, the consumer's best interest as the number one priority. All these businesses want to stay in business and want to present 
a unified and competitive front so they can all make money off of you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, that, that also makes certain sense because, like, even if retail is a not majority percent in a few years but is still a sizable percent, the EA also wouldn't want to squeeze GameStop out because if GameStop goes out of business and Best Buy stops carrying video games because the price margin doesn't make sense, that is still going to be a loss of sales for people who just yep. still don't buy online. So, like, it, you know, it like they also don't want to set up a business model that would not be able to serve the, their customers who do only shop at retail still. Mm-hmm. So, like, also the, the digital slash price conscious customer is the one who is not served by this model. Right. And and this is something that happens in, in other industries. I know that in, for instance, the book publishing industry, um, even though obviously the cost of goods on an ebook is like basically nothing relative to the cost of goods on a physical book, um, and ebooks are in fact cheaper than, but it's not quite the same because ebooks are cheaper than books. But I know that publishers have frequently gotten into basically battles with Amazon trying to prevent books from turning into what has happened with a lot of media, where it's just a complete race to essentially this, this much above free, which can feel anti-consumer definitely, right? Because we know that digital goods are free to reproduce, but the other, the, the Ultimately, in the long run, it's a little more complicated than that because once every kind of media is devalued down to like the closest you can get to zero, it, it actually gets really hard to sustain any kind of professional field around that thing. And um, we don't know what that's going to look like. Maybe this isn't a problem because of blah reason that we'll discover in the coming decades. Um, but uh, but it, but Amazon is not like. When companies like Amazon try to drive prices down, it's like it's not really because it's in the customer's interest per se. It's because they don't bear any of the costs of production of the thing. Like they don't have to pay the author who had to write the book in the first place or the developer who had to make the game or anything. Um, all they have to do is is provide the commerce interface in between. So I don't know. Um, I, I, I'm not necessarily like automatically in favor of all digital goods just becoming as cheap as possible all the time as someone who makes things that are <laughs> that are creative yep. works that are sold. A, a lot of this stuff also gets into things that I don't uh, have enough like knowledge or authority on to be able to speak to specifically, but like just why things can be priced differently in different places. Like are things sold at, uh, are goods sold to a store as a, at wholesale rate to be resold, in which case there's like a manufacturer's suggested retail price that the per, that the the seller does not have to adhere to and can sell all, <coughs> at whatever price they want. But there's sort of v- non-verbally agreed upon things that uh, or you know like the way that uh, something like Steam works, they're not they're um, agreeing to distribute your content and you can set a price and they right. can they can work with you to propose a price but you know like digital storefronts some of them work on the we're reselling your goods and some of them work as we're a distributor and like with ebooks um i remember there were like lawsuits between amazon and apple about like should we use the wholesale model where the publisher sells the books in bulk, the eBooks at right, 50% sure. at 50% of the rate. And then there's a manufacturer suggested retail price, or I think what was called the agency model where, which is, which is like, I think the Apple bookstore was using that, which was like, you sell your books at your price. And then we're going to take a 30% take a commission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, 
that got like into weird antitrust suits and like price fixing and all sorts of stuff. And then I, I that like has flip flopped back and forth in the courts between Apple and Amazon and wholesale versus agency. And there's like the fact that these aren't physical goods anymore makes that really complicated mm-hmm. and weird where it's like, yep. are you are these being sold on consignment or am I just literally offering you a tiny storefront within my store or am I buying these off of you right. and reselling them? And like the way that trickles down, not unrelated to actual trickle down economics, right. but the way that that ends up yes. at your door as a consumer can vastly change how For the sure. price fluctuation can work. <clears throat> yeah. Yep. And I and I I listen to them. Like, yeah, the, I don't know enough about that stuff to get into and get yeah. into it in any detail. No, I know. Oh, go ahead. No, I don't know enough about that stuff either. But um, the one thing I would say about uh, pre-ordering uh, is that I do know that, um, you know, not every store like like a publisher doesn't need to allow every store to pre-order its game, you know, or to, to offer pre-orders of that of of that game. And so I think where leverage comes into play is if you if you're going to offer pre-orders of our game this is the price that you're going to set it at or we're just going to cut you off from pre-orders, mm. right? And so, like, there's that phase of it, I think, which is much more, like, you're... you're Enforced. In, yeah, essentially enforced. And a lot of it is, you know, traditionally from, from like, stores like GameStop. But, yeah, I mean, I suspect probably in the next few years you're going to see the, a little the, bit less the of that. pre-order because, dance that yeah, you as a publisher it's a, it's a, it's a lot do of pre-order with, with GameStop yeah. or, or, like, just big retail chains. Mm-hmm. That is a crazy thing that I have never. Oh man, well, it, wild. Also, it also it's makes, wild. Yeah, the pre-order bullshit makes publishers um, love pre-orders. Well, yeah, it also intertwines. Well, GameStop also like big retail stores also love pre-orders because oh, yeah. it gives them. They have exclusive pretty, content. And well, shit. It's, it's not even that. It's that you. But that, that's if, what if you're a retail store them in a way that doesn't doesn't otherwise happen with like you just buy bulk from us and and that, sell that's it. not entirely true because the pre-order numbers can also tell you what your sell-in number should be. How many should we manufacture? And right. how many should we oh, buy yeah. and keep no, on no, the no, shelf? For you sure. Know, like I'm just, no, no, no. Your inventory management game becomes way stronger if you can have an enticing pre-order plan. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, that's true. But that's, I guess I'm saying a different thing, which is that the the interconnected nature of publishers and uh, retailers with stuff like pre-orders is, I think, kind of just intrinsically anti-consumer because what those two – like those two corporations are both – like. They're feeding on each other with like we're going to give you extra content and you're going to push our thing this it's, way. It's also like, intended that's to them talking it's intended to each to other. devalue the secondary market and stuff like that. Yeah, too. it's it's mm-hmm. right. Yeah. It's all like that, that stuff. Like, all that stuff is built around like how can we like protect ourselves? Right. How uh, do you how do you like juice as much full price purchasing out of customers yeah. as you can? Right. Um, yep. And as many trips into the store as you possibly can. Right. Yeah. It's all. It's all good. Super cool. You know what's you, you know what are really cool? <laughs> what? Steam sales. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the opposite. Anyway, yeah. yeah, let's take a break. All right. Apple Cider Mage in chat says Amazon has slightly weird pricing because uh, funny thing, Amazon hides various vendors behind whomever puts the first page up for the item. So even oh. if it's sold via Amazon, it can pull pricing from various dropship vendors in the marketplace or directly from storefronts. It really depends. Mm, that's true. So that's, your price yeah, will fluctuate it, depending the, on yeah. like the, their their decision of the optimized seller slash yeah. supplier for you. Crazy. Am- Amazon, and I mean, Steam is kind of like this too. Not not n- to nearly the same degree as Amazon, but the ability of the of large-scale online retailers to just sort of aggregate tons of data and make weird decisions based on it or just like try things out is really crazy. And there's essentially no analog to it in brick and mortar retail or the no. traditional way things are sold. Like there's just no equivalent of being able to leverage yeah, no, supply it's, chains it's on that scale. And, and, and it's fucking weird. Yeah. Cal Guinness in chat says, 
this deep dive into logistics is the kind of video game talk I won't miss. <laughs> God, you can't please everybody. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> this episode of Idle Thumbs is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace, as you know, I do by now, is the fastest, the easiest, the most professional, user-friendly, responsive, and intuitive way to make your very own website, portfolio, blog, or online store. They've got a great drag and drop kind of like where put stuff where you want it interface. That's a, mm. a technical term. Mm. Uh, it's really easy to use. You can get started just for free. Don't need a credit card. Uh, you, I know. Um, you just get everything going. You make your account. You put the whole site together. And if you're happy with it, which I strongly suspect you will be. You better be. You can check out with the offer code THUMBS to get 10% off that order. And if you sign up for a year, you will get a domain name thrown in for free. Uh, so it's all the steps you need to get a website up and running all the way from the domain to the design to like filling in all the content in whatever kind of site you need. And it's really easy and it's real. Everything looks nice. Works great on mobile phones. We have an email from Samuel Beatty who said, hey, guys, longtime listener of the show. Um, I wanted to thank you guys for the offer code THUMBS, which we used in creating a website for our mobile game, Gentleman Ninja, which you can find at GentlemanNinjaGame.com. Um, Samuel regrets not going with .cool Oof, yeah. on that one. Yeah. Um, I went to this website. It looks really great. Works great on my mobile phone. Um, it's got all the details about their game. It's a really slick website. I mean, um, it does not... You would go to this website, and it just looks like any kind of site you would put together like for a really nice looking game it wouldn't i don't think it would ever occur to anyone that this was made, was made using a sort of one stop shop yeah it is it is these themes are like clean they're nice customizable um they just look like a professional website cuz they are made by our good friend samuel regrets cool <laughs> <laughs> so if you go to squarespace.com sign up for your thing use the offer code thumbs Get that get that ten percent off. You get that domain name if you get the year. It's everything you need. Squarespace.com with the offer code thumbs. Thanks, Squarespace. This episode of Idle Thumbs is also it is also brought to you by Movement. Movement manufactures high quality and very stylish, attractive wristwatches, mm. of which Jake is, at this point, I would say a long time wear. Eh, maybe long time is putting it strongly, but you've had that thing for several months now. Yeah. 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 And it's just, it's part of your look now. It's part of, it's part of my look. Mm-hmm. I would describe it as part of my look. It is. Jake's, Jake's, is if you're on the video version of the podcast, he's, he's showing you. Show anyone to watch. Yeah. Anyone see it. No, yep. he likes to watch. Um, speaking of, uh, speaking of, of distribution chains and, and such, since that's what this podcast is about, apparently. <laughs> Movement watches, they manufacture them, and they just sell them to you directly. So you're getting it for the best price you possibly can from their website uh, yep. because they just do direct mail to you. Um, if you go to mvmtwatches.com slash thumbs, that is mvmtwatches.com slash thumbs, you will get 15% off and <laughs> free shipping and free returns if necessary. Yep. Um, so I have been browsing through the site looking for a nice watch. They have really clean designs. I like, so they've got, 
they sort of span the range from the just like nice clean clock face. Just um, like a, basically a simple circle, circular like whatever bezel around your watch. Right. Up so, to the like the ones with the multiple little mm. um, multiple faces and more sort of sporty style ones that exactly, have the sort of yeah. m- that are more like festooned. Yeah, festooned with faces, I would say. Yeah. The mm. Tiny faces inside the large face. So if you go to MVMTwatches.com slash thumbs, you can be like Jake. And have your That's own. That's what you want. Let's <laughs> have your own. If you're, if you're, you might be disappointed with Jake's face, but you won't be disappointed with his wrist when he's wearing this movie. You may be disappointed with my watch. face, but you will not be yes. disappointed with <laughs> yeah. my face. Exactly. That's exactly right. How did I miss it? MVMTwatches.com slash thumbs, movement watches. Get one as a, uh, you can maybe slam it right in time for Valentine's Day for your sweetie. Consider that. Cons- but don't consider Chris's phrasing very much. Don't consider it too much. Consider it a little bit. Movement watches. Thanks, movement. All right, we're back. Oh. All right, Clyde Bink writes in. Um, On a previous episode, y'all discussed how neat it would be if someone made two versions of a game and randomly distributed the different version to one person. I'm pretty sure this happened to me during 2016's Winter Wizard Jam. What? I downloaded and played Spenny's The Sad Story of a Modern Idiot soon after its release and was perplexed by a simulated DOS-style command line with a surprisingly well-realized glitch aesthetic. I have minimal experience with DOS, so I went on the forums to complain about my difficulties. Everyone else was talking about hoverboards and vape juice, and no one was having similar difficulties to mine. I figured that I just had to get the real game to run in this fictional shell. So I did some research of basic DOS commands and restarted the game a few times to try commands in different orders. At some point, the interface went through a frenzied boot-up sequence, and suddenly I was navigating a nameless character remotely through some sort of distant satellite connection. I I thought the game was actually rather well made and interesting. Looking back on the forum a week or so later, I see people are still talking about hoverboards and vape juice. I kind of assumed that everyone was in on some kind of joke on me, but I couldn't stand the possibility that I played a different game than everyone else, so I redownloaded the file on a different computer and opened it up. That version is a game where you are a dot gobbler on a hoverboard taking selfies and gathering vape juice. Unsure of what to do at this point, I am writing to questions at idlethumbs.net. Holy shit. What? Clyde. So... That is hardcore. Me as as a shitty person uh, who has answered a lot of tech support tickets and therefore is a butt is like this guy probably downloaded the wrong game. <laughs> <laughs> but, but 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 I don't but, I don't know I don't know I don't he want seems that to very, be true at all. Yeah yeah no 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 what I want is is oh, yeah. that this is by a Spenny who is master game jammer who slammed out. Mm-hmm. mid-gen power move in five hours yeah so the chance that there is that like during the prime wizard jam downloading time he was just occasionally pointing the exe like the file location to a different game so that a couple people grabbed the wrong build is very potentially high and good or mm-hmm. however the heck that is managed or just like isn't one there, out of every 5,000 launches it goes to the dos there, prompt no, game no, no but it's not because he did it a bunch of times on the same computer isn't there a way on, doesn't your computer have a unique CPU-generated ID? Oh, right. That you or, can... or, I mean, it could just write something to the registry the first time you run it that's like, yeah, okay, that's I'm, the, I'm DOS yeah, game yeah, now, yeah, and yeah, I'm going to yeah, stay yeah. DOS game forever. Yeah, your yeah. preps I guess are there's saved. a different ways you can but do like, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. Man, I hope that's true. I hope that this. Yeah, I that hope really, that there is a really secret good. additional game inside of one of the Wizard Jam games. Oh, yeah. we should mention that we yes. streamed um, uh, the first half of Wizard Jam 4 over uh, this last weekend, and there was some amazing stuff in it. You can... We put up uh, a nice cleaned up version of the video at youtube.com slash idle videos. If you want to check out, watch us spend, you know, a few minutes each on 30 jam games that the Idle Thumbs community made, um, most of which are based on 
Idle Thumbs episode titles, but all of them, whether they are or aren't, are incredibly good. It's just like mm-hmm. this amazing array of unique, yeah, weird very, things. Like, imaginative, diverse, just like total. I mean, yep. the thing that's, I mean, this is just true of game jams, but I think a cool thing about the uh, Wizard Jam is that the development period is long enough that I, I think this ends up being a little more practical, actually. People make games spanning such a wide array of genres and concepts and art styles and mechanics. Um, and it's enough time that, like, typically you can actually, like, get that get what the game is doing, yeah. you know, by the time you play it in a, in a way that's, like, pretty complete. It's very, very good. Also, Spenny's game, The Sad Story of a Modern Idiot, is very good. Yeah, the actual one that we, the version of it we played, the one where you, the version most people play. Yeah, is where also you're skateboarding hilarious. around trying to collect vape juice to take and take selfies of yourself uh, as a dot gobbler. As a dot gobbler. On a hoverboard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On a hoverboard. Yep. It's good. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, all right. Um, dear Idle Thumbelinas. Witness, witnessing Nick's masochistic Dark Souls endeavors over the last few months has been a bit wild. Since I started listening to Idle Thumbs after hearing Danielle guest cast on Bonfireside Chat, a Dark Souls podcast. Hearing a group of people who aren't as ball deep into Souls lore and mechanics as the Souls community mm-hmm. casually discuss it was a wake-up call. I went from thinking, these filthy casuals, how dare they besmirch the sacred name of Dark Souls, to realizing that it is just a game like any other, albeit one with a community whose defensive and rabid evangelism makes it the veganism of video games. <laughs> Anyway, keep fighting the good fight, Nick. Or as we say in Dol- Dark Souls Ease, don't give up, skeleton. Thanks for being great <laughs> casters of pods. Audrey from L.A. with a little sun emoji. Mm. Thanks, Audrey. Yeah, thank you. I, I saw another Dark Souls mail in there that I actually had something to say about, okay, well, which is sort of tied into this. Okay, do you want me to just read that and we can Yeah, we can yeah, yeah. Let's, let's okay. knock him out. Sure. Let's knock him out. Um, all right, so uh, hey, Thumbs. I've uh, been listening to you guys from the jump. I absolutely love the show. I want to thank Nick for showing me the alternative and most likely proper way to play Dark Souls. <laughs> Call me stupid, but I've completed Dark Souls 1 and 2 multiple times and have never considered simply running past enemies. <laughs> I was so concentrated on the currency of the game, Souls, that I would kill all the enemies on every pass through an area. Through watching Nick's stream of Dark Souls, I've internalized the art of speed running my way throughout any given zone, be it yes. for further exploration or a boss run. Your stream also reinvigorated my interest in playing through Dark Souls 1, and I'm currently ready to travel into the kiln of the first flame. I beat Ornstein and Smog on my first try, by the way, although I cowardly summoned Solaire. I love the show, fellas. Coward. Keep up the fantastic work. Tom from Pennsylvania. So I get... No emoji. No, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I read that, and I, and I had a few thoughts. Uh, p- people like it's interesting. So I'm, I started playing Bloodborne uh, last week, and the thing that people were saying was, "Oh, this is going to be the game that breaks Nick for, from his his horrible okay. habits." You, you can't cheat there, in Hitman. There's Bloodborne, no way to cheat that... in Hitman Bloodborne. You can't possibly cheat in Hitman Bloodborne. Uh, it's kind of true, but but here's the thing. I, I is this I, a life finds a way situation? Well, I mean, I, <laughs> Nick finds a way. So what I did was I I spent two streams making zero progress because I had no idea how to not be myself. Uh, <laughs> and then once I just sort of so let isn't go that always of that, the way? Yeah, but once I sort of let go of that, it was fine, and I and I made progress. Uh, the thing I would say is that. And this this might come off sounding a little defensive, but I I, I, fir- I no. firmly no 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 never <laughs> never. But I firmly believe this. Uh, these games were I I don't think these games were designed to be played at in in like a perfect order with like I mean clearly they're not you know like the ex- I think the perfect experience of playing a, a Dark Souls game or or a Bloodborne or you know what have you. Uh, 
leads you into some kind of horrible pit of despair. Like, I think that is what they were going for. So it's for like, find your pit were... of despair. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I, I really don't... I think the people who've been playing this game a long time get really frustrated watching people who uh, are starting out because they're falling into their pit. But what they what they forget is that, like, 6,000 hours ago, they were in that pit and sort of, like, struggling to get out. Uh, and then they're standing above the pit, like going, like, "Why did you fall in this pit? Clearly, you could have just walked around the pit. I'm standing here. Why didn't you just listen to me?" Uh, but like, that's not fun. The fun of it is falling in the pit. <laughs> it feels like the, the, le- the whole reason it feels you play like the lesson of Dark Souls is you. It's you are incapable of hearing or understanding the person on the other side of the pit until you yourself go through the pit. Exactly. Yes. The only way out is through. Yeah. Yeah, He's got no sounds are coming out of his... You can see that his mouth is moving. There's just a guy screaming and waving (laughs) and you're like, oh, I've got to get over to see what that guy's saying. Oh, no, no. (laughs) Oh, no. And then you get over there and you're like, oh, yeah, you went through the pit? Yeah. Look at this fucker over there about to go through this pit. Yeah, he's about to go through this No, (laughs) don't... Yeah. I mean, by the end of Dark Souls 2, I was actually fairly competent at that game, and I realized, like, I'll probably, I probably won't ever replay this game, because now I'm out of the pit, I'm not gonna, like, intentionally fall back into that pit, I'm just gonna walk around it, but that's the game, the pit is the whole thing, that's what you want, uh, and so I feel like people who, you know... I think there are some yeah, people for whom, for whom yes. being... Well, they create new pits, though, I think. They, <laughs> no, what they do is they, they, they put on the ring that gives you, like, triple damage or whatever. The whole, I think the whole end game of it is what's the most perfect run I can do in the least amount of time or, like, speed running and things like this that make it more challenging. But you've got to so that, run, go through that slog infinite yes. times right. and then cleanse yourself at the end of it over and over again until yeah. you finally can be the flaming sword-wielding maniac who knows how right. to do it right. Exactly. But, yeah. Yeah. Ah. So speaking of the the sort of pit of despair, um, you guys have surely seen this, and it went around again recently. But it came out, I think, a couple of years ago originally. This was a, a quote from an interview with um, Miyazaki, the director of most of these games, maybe not Dark Souls 2, but, uh, not Dark Souls but the too. rest of them, I believe. Yes. And oh, I saw this quote recently, yeah, I think. Yeah, and, and this, it was, it was, an, about, it was yeah. an interview with multiple developers from the team, and one of the artists was speaking about... Uh, Miyazaki's sort of goals for the game and his style of creative direction and the kind of feedback he gives in terms of tone. And so the artist says, I remember when I was drawing the undead dragon, I submitted a design draft that depicted a dragon swarming with maggots and other gross things. Miyazaki handed it back to me saying, this is not dignified. Don't rely on the gross factor to portray an undead dragon. Can't you instead try to convey the deep sorrow of a magnificent beast doomed to a slow and possibly endless descent into ruin? Which, yeah, holy no, shit! I've heard this quote before. It's magnificent, incredible. Um, yeah, and people often ask me while I'm playing these games, like, "What's your favorite boss?" And you know, people tend to have opinions yeah. about that What's centered around. Is- my um, my mind when <laughs> right, when yeah, playing yeah. Dark right. Souls, no. it is my slow and possibly endless yeah, yeah. descent into ruin. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, but people have opinions, and they're usually centered around um, mechanics, right? Like, oh, I like this boss because he does yeah. a cool jumpy thing that I enjoy. Right. Uh, but I which think is totally valid. Like it's the, totally the, valid. The of tiny interesting yes. touches of yeah. how enemies and bosses work right. in Dark Souls is really good. But I think my favorite boss is still this third boss in Dark Souls Three, which is this sort of like sad lumbering tree that you eventually have to like burn, and it's just really like mm. he's just this huge majestic tree, but then you're just killing this tree, and it is it's it's sort of reflective yeah. of that quote. 
Uh, and he's not mechanically interesting, really. And so, like in retrospect, I understand why people are like, oh, "Really, the tree?" But like, I think it's, I think it's because <laughs> but it's, like, of thematically that. Thematically, yeah, super potent. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's cool. Anyway, on that note, I need to leave. All right. Okay. <laughs> See you, Nick. Bye. Congrats, Bye. Nick. Thank you. The first uh, reader mail about Dark Souls, and like, I'm not a person who's played more than a few minutes of Dark Souls, but yeah. the the f- the way, like, the thing that it made me think about was insular communities that I've been in in gaming that get so attached to a very specific way to appreciate a work or a genre that then like having the the like revelatory moment that busts you out of that is is really helpful like I mean Nick's not here now so we can talk about adventure <laughs> games but uh <laughs> you like that's the thing that I like some of my like most potent memories of my early time on the internet in like the early 2000s super late 90s was the adventure game community and how it had drilled so down into itself that there was just this very specific way that you were supposed to enjoy mm-hmm. adventure games you were supposed to relish them for their intellectual curiosities and for the true puzzles that they offered to right. serious gamers and anyone who just wanted a fun story with good graphics was probably an idiot who was playing them wrong and anyone who wanted to do blah 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 blah. and like it's a little different with Dark Souls because Dark Souls you could probably you one could make a compelling argument for Dark Souls being a distillation of a lot of things that are good about Mm -hmm. just third person console gaming but I mean I think a lot of people who are real devotees of that series would argue that one of the things that makes those games sort of sublime is the complete marriage of all those parts, right? It's not like yep. it's not like the story is sort of an excuse for the mechanics, and it's not that the mechanics are just an excuse to like have a bunch of like cutscenes. It's that all that stuff is sort of thematically interwoven in right. a way that is like. But I, I guess highly a, a thing that that, and I can't speak for the Dark Souls yeah, community in any way yeah, because yeah, I don't yeah. know yeah. about them specifically. But a trend that seems to be the case in communities like this who love a series of games or a genre of games to the point of like intense fetish fetishization and worship of justifiably amazing elements of them is the fact that a casual person can also enjoy them tends to be undervalued instead of praised. And I think if you have a mm. game like Dark Souls that that someone like Nick can get into like Nick is obviously now deep into Dark Souls. Yeah. But like he was enjoying it just as a guy Nick's who, also like a guy who is pretty good at video games. Yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that there's an, no, I know, an average I know, I know, guy, but a newcomer street, but like, to the series. The fact that, the fact that yeah. you can enjoy Dark Souls and that it can still hold up for you and be a personal, interesting, meaningful experience as a guy who just runs past all the enemies, I don't think should be reflected as a weakness on Dark Souls or on the player. I don't think that person is playing it wrong, and I don't think it makes Dark Souls a worse game. It probably makes it a better game. Yeah, I would the agree. fact that like, you know, the, the, that's supported. The, 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 like, like, yeah, yeah, that breadth of play is also supported, even if that person maybe isn't enjoying the game the exact way that you enjoy it. Like, that's a pretty hardcore piece of praise. And, like, when communities are able to embrace that element of their of their sort of, like, f- I was going to say fanaticism, but in the meaning of, like, being a fan, not, like, being, a, right. not being, like, yeah, radicalized. Yeah. But, you yeah. know, I, I think they tend to become healthier. Like, I feel like the adventure game community actually – around adventuregamers.com which when when Merrick was running it really aggressively like one of his big goals with that site was we should make it okay for people to appreciate the breadth of audiences that are mm-hmm. playing these games and like let's get excited about that and be boosters for that and I feel like that made that community a lot healthier in mm-hmm. the long run because I think, of that I think that's true yeah 
But I mean, Nick's also just a noob and a fucking scrub. Yeah, fuck that guy, right? Fuck Nick Brecken, right? Yeah. Oh, he's not know. here. Fuck Nick. We all know. Fuck Nick. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, so the way that we're going to uh, close the door on out of thumbs is halfway through each episode, one of us is going to leave until yeah. it's me alone in the room uh, by myself talking to myself. <laughs> and then slowly, like, Spaff's going to walk in, and then Sean's going to walk in, uh, and we're going to fly Danielle back from New York. Right, 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 right. right. Um, and people are going to get really confused. <laughs> we're going to bring Merrick Bronstring back. Oh, man. Let's see. What else do we have here? I mean, man, did we, we might have gone through most... There's a little Mario content, oh, I think. Oh, there's some Mario content. Fuck. It sucks that Nick's not here for moderate Mario content. Uh, yeah. Um, I think I, it's content that we alluded It's some Mario content yeah, that we've we, alluded to. Yeah, I think it's bolstering our existing yeah. theories more than anything else. Okay. Well, let's let's do it. So, hey, Thumbs, in the Donkey Kong Country games, it is heavily implied that the Donkey Kong of the original arcade cabinets is not our tie-loving hero, but in fact his grandfather, Cranky Kong, who is now retired. Yet, in other games, modern Donkey Kong appears to exist coexist alongside a Mario who has seemingly not aged past his original appearance in the arcades, and there is no similar old Mario character. Or is there? Obviously, this is Nintendo hinting that old Mario is in fact Wario, and modern Mario is his son, Mario Jr. Keep up the hard-hitting investigative journalism. I look forward to your next expose, Brian. I think we got into this. I think t- that we got, we got into that a tiny bit in the discussion of New Donk City. Yes. Um, so this is the thing: if Cranky Kong is the original Donkey Kong, and Donkey Kong of Donkey Kong Country is his grandson, that implies that Donkey Kong Junior is AWOL. Oh, that's true. His dad. That's true. Where is Donkey Kong Jr.? Wasn't there a Donkey Kong Jr. arcade game? Yeah, we talked about this. Okay, just, I don't know that stuff Donkey as Kong well, Jr., so yeah. the arcade game, I yeah. believe, is the missing link that explains New Donk City. My my belief is that New Donk is, in fact, Donkey Kong Jr. Okay, right. And okay, uh, he okay. is now getting his revenge on Mario for mm-hmm. imprisoning his father, right. Donkey Kong, now known as Cranky Kong. I also feel like Donkey Kong changing his name uh, as he gets older is further proof that Mario changing his name to Wario is just sort of a cultural thing that it's people just, in the Nintendo verse do. Worry about that. Yeah. They're just like, I mean, yeah. it's, you know, just um this reflects who I am now. Fluid identities for, you know, for yep. as as controversial as Nintendo gets about people's gender and personal identities, they're definitely all right with their own characters. That's true. Just yeah. changing whoever they are as, uh, yeah, as they that's want. That's true. Princess as regressive Toadstool as they are now with Peach. the damsel in distress. Mario is now Wario. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> It's the key to unlock these mysteries. Yeah. <laughs> so stupid. Um, <laughs> it's, cru- it's crucial content, Chris. Yeah, I know. I know it is. Um, God, that might be all of the, the mail that I had. Is that the entire contents of this bag blast? It might be. I mean, now that, now that, Nick, now that we're down to two, I feel like the momentum is, is slowing. Yeah. Um, but I also think that is actually all of the... The email that I had earmarked. It is, in fact, all yeah. the email. Yeah. Well, I guess since we're at the end of the episode, I will say, um, to go back to what we said at the beginning, thanks to all of you who sort of hung out for the last few weeks as we've been trying to sort out what the, around, yeah. what the heck we're doing with our lives. And I hope that you do enjoy the next few Pod Blast and Episode 300, which are going to inevitably be more games-focused because we're actually going to go start do t- doing test episodes for the new show off on our own. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, we, I know that it's been confusing because we haven't really had a clear plan outlined to now. And, and I hope that people have stuck around during that period of uh, confusion. And I, I do really hope you give us a shot with the new thing. Um, we can't guarantee 
you're going to love it. But but we can't guarantee also, that it'll be excellent content. <laughs> yeah. But I also hope it won't be like too far removed from stuff that people already like about Idle Thumbs. But, you know, it was a, with a much broader focus in some ways. It's going to be a true crime storytelling <laughs> uh, sort of, you know, yeah. narrative, uh-huh. nonfiction podcast. We researched what podcasts people like. Yeah. Um, and that and the one that we do is not the kind that is that. So we thought. How about this other thing? Yeah, we're going to dig deep into the financial back records of, <laughs> of you know, notable criminal activity mm-hmm. across uh, America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing that with as we've been looking into this Wario thing. So, I mean, why God. would we break our streak? <laughs> what if we... What? What if we? What if that was our podcast? So uh, people may have noticed that uh, This American Life uh, spun off Serial into its own. It's now actually its own full production label. Like Serial is an imprint. It's its own oh, like, it small okay, podcast network, and they're announcing spinoff shows and all sorts oh, of stuff. Crazy. So we're happy to announce that our new show is partnering with them. We're going to do a six-part miniseries getting into the deep lore uh, and like true story behind Super Mario. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. We've we've requested all like Nintendo is uh, are they a publicly traded company? I don't even know. I, we should know. We're just in the very early uh, early uh, <laughs> exploratory phases of this podcast, so I don't even know if we can yeah. well, if Nintendo has public financial information. But if they do, Nintendo, they're definitely a public. Okay, yeah, company. yeah. I don't I mean, know on the on the Tokyo Stock Exchange. Okay, yeah. Uh, then we've obviously sifted through yeah. all of that and no, we've discovered some real... get ready for episode one of the Mushroom Kingdom behind the throne. Yeah, coming soon from the Idle Thumbs Network uh, and Serial. And Sarah, yes, yeah, it's, it's a partnership, funding by the Knight Foundation, <laughs> <laughs> distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. All of these things are these false. are all fucking bullshit. Please, please give us a chance when we launch our new show. We would appreciate it. Won't it won't be that. Love, It'll mostly just forever. be us. It'll be us talking about bullshit and ho- hopefully making each other laugh and uh, talking about things we find interesting. But hopefully with more of a concept than literally the sentence I just said, which yeah. is what we've been trying to figure out. So. <laughs> yeah. So thanks, everyone. Uh, also, continue to write in about either video games or, like, literally anything else that's interesting you interesting you in the world. Inter- is that a word, interesting? That is of interest to you? I forgot how to speak, Jake. Shit. <laughs> that is interesting you? Can, can you say that? A thing that if a thing is... In- a thing is interesting you... That feels weird. That feels like it's, like, performing interest on you. Yeah. <laughs> that's like if a thing is tickling you. I just you. <laughs> grossed myself out with my own mouth sounds. Um... I feel gross now. If a thing is of interest to you, whether it's games or anything else, you can write into us at questions at idlethumbs.net. I'm off my game, man. Uh, this is creepy. Uh, anything you want, questions at idlethumbs.net. Um, we're on Twitter at idlethumbs. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash idlethumbs. Our website is idlethumbs.net. Um, and there's information on, there's interesting information on there. Uh, it, is, it will interest you, I hope. Oh, my God. Ah, bye. <laughs> Leave me. Don't look at me. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please keep doing that, hopefully. <laughs> bye. We, we love you. Oh, my God. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. I'm going to turn off the feed now before Chris melts into his I chair. Know what's happening. <laughs> Oh no!